When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, Greg Baird here. Before I begin today's story, I want to take a moment and ask that you check me out on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. There are several tiers with great benefits, from ad-free content to t-shirts and other cool stuff. And I have plenty of wonderful merch in my store, and the link is in my show notes. As well, if you're a fan of Canadian history, make sure you check out all of my shows, from John to Justin, Canadian History X, Canada, A Yearly Journey, and Pucks and Cups, along with Canada's Great War. And don't forget, you can also donate directly to the show at www.canadaehx.com. Just click Donate. It helps keep this show going. Okay, on with the show. I'm Craig Baird, and this is From John to Justin. It is now time to begin our look at the premiers of Newfoundland, the most recent province to join Confederation, And while in this series we'll have seen premiers who had minor roles in the province, things are kicking off in a big way, with one of the most important premiers in Newfoundland's history, possibly the most important, Joey Smallwood. Joey Smallwood was born on December 24, 1900 in Gambo, Newfoundland, the eldest of 13 children. His grandfather was David Smallwood, who established a popular business making boots in St. John's. Growing up, his family was not well off and dealt with poverty throughout his youth. His father was also a drinker, and for much of his life, Smallwood never drank. When he was 15, Smallwood left school to begin working at the Plain Dealer, the local newspaper in St. John's. He self-taught himself the newspaper industry, and by 1919 was one of the top journalists in the city. He left Newfoundland in 1920 and lived in New York for the next five years where he worked for the New York Call and the New Dealer. He also did some work for the New York Times. In 1924, Smallwood campaigned for the Socialist Party of America. And he came back to Newfoundland in 1925 and that same year founded the newspaper in Corner Brook. It was also around this time he became a union organizer. He also married Clara Oates that year with whom he had three children. Back in Newfoundland, he became involved in politics for the first time. He was going to run as a Liberal candidate for Humber, but stepped aside so Sir Richard Squires could run. Instead, he served as the campaign manager for Squires, the Prime Minister of Newfoundland in 1928. After Squires was elected, Smallwood became the Justice of the Peace for his area. Four years later, in 1932, he ran for the colonial government in Newfoundland, but once again failed to win. Throughout the Great Depression, Smallwood worked for various newspapers and also helped raise his profile through his popular radio program, The Barrelman, which debuted in 1937. His show spoke with the pride of Newfoundland's culture and history. At the same time, the government and economy of the colony was in ruins. It got bad enough that in 1934, six commissioners, three from Newfoundland and three from Britain, were made into a governing committee. This would be the end of self-government for Newfoundland. Smallwood remained with the program until 1943 when he left to start a pig farm, but the show continued to air for several more years. 
Around this time, there was talk of joining Confederation as the colony's finances were in shambles and its population of only 313,000 was too small to be an independent colony or country. Smallwood was very well known now, and in 1945 he became a leading figure in pushing Newfoundland to join Canada and move away from being under British rule. He said, We are not a nation, we are a medium-sized municipality, left far behind in the march of time. In 1946, the British government announced that there would be an election for the Newfoundland National Convention, and this convention would help the British government decide what it would do with the colony. At the time, there were two options for Newfoundland, return to self-government or be ruled by a commission. In 1946, Smallwood is elected to the Newfoundland National Convention and was a delegate in London to talk about the future of Newfoundland. He used the proceedings to broadcast why it was a good idea for Newfoundland to join Canada, presenting a third option for residents. This idea quickly began to catch on throughout the island, especially among the rural residents. In 1947, he was part of the first delegation sent to Ottawa to discuss the terms of Newfoundland joining Canada. Smallwood then founded the Confederate Association that supported joining Canada and the Confederate option in the 1948 Newfoundland referendums. He said, Today, we are more disposed to feel that our very manhood, our very creation by God, entitles us to standards of life no lower than our brothers on the mainland. All of this resulted in the opponents calling Smallwood a traitor to the island. He stated that his opponents don't care about patriotism, they care about the money they're making off the backs of Newfoundlanders. He added that most of those pushing for a responsible government are dominated by the wealthy merchant class on the island. He said, If you're not a millionaire, vote for Confederation. We're not a nation. On February 21st, 1948, Smallwood was the campaign manager for the Confederate Association and he edited its newspaper, The Confederate. Smallwood, through the party, campaigned for the employment insurance, family allowances, a lower cost of living and stronger pensions. And through his efforts and charisma, he was able to push the Canada option on the ballot and that led to the referendums that voted 41.4% in favour of joining Confederation. Though a second referendum was held on July 22nd, in that vote, 52.3% voted in favour of joining Confederation. Smallwood was then involved in the negotiating of the terms of union with Canada. By this point, Smallwood was very famous and the leading political figure in the colony. In 1949, he was made the leader of the Liberal Party, and in that same year became the first Premier of Newfoundland. Years later, he said, I didn't want Confederation so that I could become a Canadian. Becoming a Canadian was a necessary component of Confederation, but what I wanted was the uplift of the Newfoundland people. He would lead the province for the next 23 years, longer than anyone else in its history by far. He would go through six elections, never having to face more than eight opposition MHAs in that time, th thanks to his massive majorities. Well, last Thursday, Premier Joseph Smallwood of Newfoundland proved decisively that he was the people's choice. He took his Liberal Party to the polls, and chose for himself the writing that had elected the island's progressive conservative leader. He was a shoe-in on both counts. The Newfoundland election was looked on in some quarters as a sort of test of popularity of the federal government or of the National Progressive Conservative Party. However, there are some doubts about the reliability of this result as a national barometer, due mostly to Newfoundland's own particular personality and situation. Almost immediately, Smallwood became known for his ability to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Ottawa. The year that Newfoundland joined Canada was the same year the Trans-Canada Highway Act was signed and construction began. 
For the next 15 years, little progress was made on the highway in the province as Smallwood pushed back against Ottawa on the agreement. When the Trans-Canada was opened by Prime Minister John Diefenbaker in BC in 1962, 600 kilometres of the 980-kilometre portion in Newfoundland wasn't paved. In 1964, Smallwood told the federal government that the province could not afford construction and it was concentrating on putting its money into other things, such as schools and hospitals. In the end, the government of Lester B. Pearson agreed to pay 90% of the cost. Smallwood said, that will do nicely. He then promised the people of the province that the highway would be finished in the province in 1965, and it was, on November 27, 1965, when two convoys of cars drove over the last strip of asphalt. Smallwood was in one of those cars while Pearson was in the other, and they met halfway on the road. In 1949, he elevated Memorial University in St. John's to full university status through the Memorial University Act. This proved to be a major accomplishment that lives on long after Smallwood's death. The university is now the largest university east of Montreal. In 1951, Smallwood launched his Economic Development Plan, which championed a welfare state in the province and was well received across the country and his government pushed for the modernization of education and attracting outsiders through excellent transportation networks on the island. He also worked closely with industry tycoons in the oil and mining industries, which sometimes resulted in the government ignoring shady dealings with some companies. As Premier, some criticized him for being autocratic. He sued the Telegram several times and threatened to pull advertising over stories. He also kept a strong rein on ministers and, during his time in the House of Assembly, did not have a question period. He would attack press critics, union leaders, and anyone who disagreed with him on a matter. He was also skilled with speaking, and many opposing politicians experienced his acid tongue firsthand in the House of Assembly. Charles Lynch had been a major supporter of Smallwood for many years, and was part of that so-called media fan club. After he wrote a critical piece about him, though, Smallwood never spoke to him again and refused to appear in any radio or television program that Lynch was a part of. In the lane leading up from the parking lot to his house, Smallwood had hidden microphones set up so he could hear what people said about him after they left his home. And his home, called Russwood Ranch, sat on 1,400 hectares of crown land that Smallwood had taken for his own use. The house was paid for and furnished by friends and associates. Many would ask how Smallwood, who only made $50,000 per year, was able to afford a $1 million home. He also had a special switchboard in his office that allowed him to plug into any conversation of his ministers without them knowing about it. He chose every candidate and every riding for the Liberals and even appointed the president of the Liberal Association in the province. And in each office of his ministers, there was a loudspeaker that he could use to summon them to his office. The system only went one way though. The ministers could never ask him a question. When Miles Murray was appointed to the cabinet, he went to his first cabinet meeting and talked about every matter that came up with enthusiasm. After the meeting, Smallwood asked if he enjoyed the meeting. Murray said he did. Smallwood then said, Oh, and here I thought you hadn't enjoyed it, you were talking so much. Murray seldom opened his mouth afterwards at a cabinet meeting for the next 12 years. In another incident, when a team of researchers from the National Museum were sent to get several Newfoundland artifacts for a special exhibit in Ottawa, Smallwood told them they could do so. Then, once they assembled everything for shipment, he seized it and put it into a museum in Newfoundland. He was described as a man who loved praise and a man who wanted to be listened to. 
For many in the province, Smallwood also held almost a saint-level admiration among residents. His daughter remembers seeing people trying to reach out and touch him. Smallwood would say of himself in 1951, I'd like to go down as the greatest Newfoundlander who ever lived. Of course, there were those who didn't like him, and it wasn't unusual for his house to be pelted with eggs. In 1959, the Badger Riot occurred during the Newfoundland loggers' strike when loggers asked the International Woodworkers of America to replace the Newfoundland Loggers Association as their representative. In response, Smallwood decertified the IWA and created legislation that nullified the right to collective bargaining rights of loggers and trade unions. The IWA then led a strike that the loggers joined. On March 10, 1959, a member of the Newfoundland Police clubbed a striker who later died. Smallwood was then condemned by Prime Minister John Diefenbaker and the Canadian Labour Congress over the matter. But Smallwood had enough power in the province that he forbade Donald Fleming, the federal finance minister, from speaking in the province on the matter, and that speech didn't happen. Most considered 1959 to be the most difficult year of Smallwood's time as Premier, and it represented the beginning of a long decline in his power in the province. From this point on, there would be a split in the party, and the party's popularity would slowly decline. At one point, a civil servant he hired personally defrauded the government for $200,000, and his activities with the Javelin International Limited Company would dog him even after his retirement. Yet he still had accomplishments during the 1960s, including that Trans-Canada Highway Agreement. He was also successful in the federal government agreeing to give unemployment insurance for fishermen, making them the only self-employed workers in Canada eligible for benefits. He also built hospitals, refineries and factories. Some were successful, others were not. Many promoters soon found that Newfoundland was a great place to head if you had some sort of scheme, because the government gave out loans easier than in other provinces. In Newfoundland's first five years, for example, Smallwood's government adopted a policy of subsidizing rapid economic development. In that time, 20 new secondary industries were developed, 16 by firms from Germany. It was estimated that the province lost hundreds of millions in these projects, including the oil refinery at Come By Chance. Lester B. Pearson would call Smallwood the most complete political animal he ever met. In 1969, Smallwood signed an agreement with Quebec that involved selling electricity from a dam at Churchill Falls in Labrador at a locked-in rate until 2041. That fixed rate is now one-tenth the market price. I had nothing whatsoever from beginning to end, directly or indirectly, nothing whatsoever to do with the negotiations between Churchill Falls Power Corporation and Hydro-Quebec. Who knew then this would turn out to be a ridiculously low price? People sometimes say the agreement I made, the contract I made, the Smallwood made. Smallwood had as much to do with making that contract as you who are now interviewing me for the CBC. Many consider this a perfect example of the greatest weakness of Smallwood, economic development. One reason for this was he didn't like feasibility studies because he felt they put up obstacles. And that same year, Smallwood decided to retire, but chose not to and ran for the leadership of the party against John Crosby. Smallwood had his cabinet ministers attend delegate selection meetings to detail who voted for which slate of delegates. Any Crosby delegates were brought to Smallwood's home and told to sign affidavits supporting Smallwood. Crosby said later, You couldn't call that campaign dirty. It transcended the word. When Smallwood won, one of his opponents, Ed Roberts, yelled, Sieg Hell! and then gave a Nazi salute at him. In 1971, Smallwood's government had become complacent and tired by all accounts. 
In that election year, his Liberals won 20 seats and the Progressive Conservatives won 21. In 1966, Joey Smallwood was re-elected to his sixth consecutive term as Premier of Newfoundland as his Liberal Party won 39 seats in a 42-seat House. Since that time, his leadership has been challenged, members of his cabinet have defected to the Conservatives, and the number of his supporters has dwindled to 25. Despite these setbacks, and despite a vigorous, hard-fought campaign by the Progressive Conservatives under leader Frank Moores, the presence of the New Democratic Party and a new Labrador Party, 70-year-old Joey, the only Premier Newfoundland has known since Confederation, remains highly optimistic about next Thursday's general election. Michael Maltby covered the campaign for Weekend. Will the lady on the other side, it says, will the lady on the other side please vote Liberal? And you turn it around as a mirror. Now this mirror here has had hard treatment. It was thrown away by a disgruntled Liberal. The mirror is just as cracked as the government is. This is really the first election we've had in Newfoundland for some 40 years because we, we came from a responsible government, which was basically a feudal system, into a commissioner government, which was a colonial system, into the Smallwood government, which, with the help of the social benefits of Confederation, was a paternalistic government. Just leave our election alone, huh? No, you know very well that that is not what the press is about. Okay. In an election, trying to get elected premier of the province. And so, you know, don't, well, I, it's no sweat to me what's you know. that, But that is the concern. Uh, your concern is not No, it's concern. also the concern of the Tom Burgess, the lone MHA from the Labrador Party, supported Smallwood, creating a deadlock in the province that lasted for three months. Finally, in January 1972, Smallwood resigned and Progressive Conservative leader Frank Morris took over. Smallwood was then voted out as Liberal leader soon after that. While no longer Premier, he still held an important spot in the minds of many in the province. He attended the inauguration of Richard Nixon and met Neil Armstrong. He also greeted Cuban leader Fidel Castro when he landed in Gander in May 1973. By some people, has been, has been called by some people, el señor ha sido por gente. a revolutionary. Un as a professional, Como yourself, um, <laughs> Como do you know him well enough to comment on that? Uh, about all the schools, the hospitals he had built in this country, that he had uh, uh, promoted. This is really a revolutionary act. He is a man who is concerned for peace, and in the world of today, to fight for peace is a revolutionary attitude. He is a man without prejudice who has been capable of uh, developing ties of friendship with our country. And we believe that those who have had such a friendly attitude towards our country are revolutionaries. 
From this point of view, I can call him a revolutionary. In 1975, he and some of his supporters formed the Newfoundland Reform Liberal Party, but they won only four seats in the 1975 election. At this point, Smallwood retired for good. He said, No man should retire until he is buried, and when they bury me, they better put a few tons of rocks on top or I'll be back. In his retirement, Smallwood wrote several books, including I Chose Canada and the Encyclopedia of Newfoundland and Labrador, which was a five-volume work he was unable to complete before his death. Over the course of his life, he had written over 30 books on a variety of subjects. The years after his time as Premier were not always happy. Money troubles plagued him, and he was sued by a printing company, and then in 1984 he suffered a stroke which would impact his health for the rest of the decade. He was in the middle of working on the Encyclopedia of Newfoundland and Labrador when it happened, and the stroke took away his ability to speak. In 1986, he was awarded the Order of Canada, but he felt that for bringing Newfoundland into Confederation, he should have been rewarded with the right honourable title, as well as a knighthood. He said of his lasting legacy in 1979, Of course, I would have to declare instantly and empathetically, if I were asked for my own opinion of the biggest achievement of my public life, Confederation my part in introducing the issue, and my effort in helping to bring it about. On December 17, 1991, Smallwood died at the age of 90, having been ill for several years. Joey Smallwood, the last of the fathers of Confederation, died last night, just one week before his 91st birthday. In his final years, Joey Smallwood's fiery voice was silenced after he suffered a severe stroke in 1984. In 1986, he was made a Companion of the Order of Canada. He was only able to express his thanks with tears of joy. Friends said Joey cried only once before, on March 31st of 1949, when Newfoundland became Canada's 10th province. He was elected Newfoundland's first Premier and served for 23 years. Years later, he said voters supported him because of the hundreds of millions of federal dollars that flowed from Ottawa into Newfoundland since 1949. Instead of their crediting Ottawa, that was paying the cash in here, uh, they, they would uh, praise me. And, uh, and I would say, no, oh, wait a minute, I, I shouldn't get any praise for that. We wouldn't be getting it but for you. Smallwood's body will lie in state in the legislature chamber until Friday. There will be a state funeral on Saturday. Joey Smallwood, the last father of Confederation, dead at 90. Premier Clyde Wells said, no other person in our history continued even a fraction of what he did to the overall well-being of the people of the province. Canadian acting legend Gordon Pinson said, Smallwood certainly made things happen, and in this country, we don't often see that amongst us. Prime Minister Brian Mulroney said, One of the Canada's most eloquent, dynamic, and forceful public figures. Upon his death, he was called the last father of Confederation, and his body would lie in state in the Legislative Assembly for two days, and throughout the province, flags were put at half-mast. But his role in bringing Newfoundland and Confederation was still debated when he died. Some were happy about it, some wanted to join the United States, and some want to remain an independent colony or a country in their own right. I hope you enjoyed that episode in our look at Joey Smallwood. Information from Canadian Encyclopedia, Canadian History Museum, Canadian Personalities, Heritage Newfoundland, Wikipedia, CBC, National Post, Washington Post, Maclean's, Saskatoon Star Phoenix, Kingston Week Standard, and The Ottawa Citizen. If this is your first time listening and you like what you heard, please take a moment and give us a five-star review to help other people find these amazing stories. And there are so many you can sink your teeth into. 
We also love hearing from you, so if you have a show topic you want me to cover, email me at craig at canadaehx.com, or stop by my website and social media. I'll include all of those links in the show notes.